welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wayne Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else all over the world. And when we let love rule in our lives every day, allowing divine love to lead our thoughts and actions in every way, we are not being passive, foolish, or weak. Instead, though, we are utilizing wisely the power of our own loving energy and life stream, which is the spirit of the living God within us, the power of our mighty I Am Presence. And the more we utilize wisely and radiate our loving energy, the greater the benefit for all humanity. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light. And y'all be loved. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. 1 John 5 7. This text, which evidently discloses a belief in the existence of three separate and distinct beings in the Godhead, sets forth a doctrine which was anciently of almost universal prevalence. Nearly every nation, whether Oriental or Occidental, whose religious faith has been commemorated in history, discloses in its creed a belief in the trifold nature and triune division of the Deity. St. Jerome testifies unequivocally, all the ancient nations believed in the Trinity. A text from one of the Hindu Bibles, the Puranas, will evince the antiquity and prevalence of this belief in a nation of 150 millions of people more than 2,000 years ago. O you three lords, know that I recognize only one God. Inform me, therefore, which of you is the true divinity that I may address to him alone my vows and adorations? The three gods, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, becoming manifest to him, replied, Learn, O devotee, that there is no real distinction between us. What to you appear such is only by semblance. The single being appears under three forms by the acts of creation, preservation and destruction, but he is one. Now, reader, note the remark here, that the ancient Christian fathers almost universally and unanimously proclaimed the doctrine of the Trinity as one of the leading tenets of the Christian faith, and is a doctrine derived directly by revelation from heaven. But here we find it most explicitly set forth by a disciple of a pagan religion more than 3,000 years ago, as the Christian missionary Dio Allen states, that the Hindu Bible, in which it was found was compiled 1400 years before Christ, and written at a still earlier period. And we find the same doctrine very explicitly taught in the ancient Brahmin, Persian, Chaldean, Chinese, Mexican and Grecian systems, all much older than Christianity. No writer ever taught or avowed a belief in any tenet of religious faith more fully or plainly than Plato sets forth the doctrine of the Trinity in his Phaedon, written 400 years BC and his terms are found to be in most striking conformity to the Christian doctrine on this subject, as taught in the New Testament. 
Plato's first term for the Trinity was in Greek, 1. To Agathon, the supreme God or Father. 2. The Logos, which is the Greek term for the word. And 3. Psyche, which the Greek lexicon defines to mean soul, spirit or ghost, of course, the Holy Ghost. Here we have the three terms of the Christian Trinity, Father, Word, and Holy Ghost, as plainly taught as language can express it, thus making Plato's exposition of the Trinity and definition of its terms, published 400 years BC, identical in meaning with those of St. John's, as found in his Gospel, and contained in the above-quoted text. Where, then, is the foundation for the dogmatic claim on the part of the Christian professors for the divine origin of the Trinity doctrine? A Christian bishop, Mr. Powell, declares, I not only confess but I maintain, such a similitude of Plato's and John's Trinity doctrines as bespeaks a common origin. Thirteenth letter to Dr. Priestley, what is that you say, Bishop? A common origin. Then you concede both are heaven-derived, or both heathen-derived. If the former, then revelation and heathenism are synonymous terms. If the latter, then Christianity stands on a level with heathen mythology. Which horn of the dilemma will you choose? St. Augustine confessed he found the beginning of John's Gospel in Plato's Phaedon, which is a concession of the whole ground. Another writer, Chateaubron, speaks of an ancient Greek inscription on the great obelisk at Rome, which reads, 1. The Mighty God. 2. The Begotten of God, as Christ is declared to be the only begotten of the Father, John 1.14. And 3. Apollo the Spirit, the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, thus presenting in plain language the three terms of the Trinity. And Mr. Cudworth, in corroboration of this report, says, the Greeks had a first God and second God and third God, and the second was begotten by the first. And yet for all that, continues Mr. Cudworth, they considered all these one. In the Platonic or Grecian Trinity, the first person was considered the planner of the work of creation, the second person the creator, and the third person the ghost or spirit which moved upon the face of the waters, and infused life into the mighty deep at creation, the same Holy Ghost which descended from heaven to infuse life into the waters at Christ's baptism, thus, the resemblance is complete. Mr. Basnaj quotes a Christian writer of the 5th century as declaring, the Athenian sage Plato marvelously anticipated one of the most important and mysterious doctrines of the Christian religion, meaning the Trinity, an important concession truly. The oldest and probably the original form of the Trinity is that found in the Brahman and Hindu systems, the terms of which are, 1. Brahma, the Father or Supreme God. 2. Vishnu, the Incarnate Word and Creator. 3. Shiva, the Spirit of God, i.e., the Holy Spirit or Ghost, each answering to corresponding terms of the Christian Trinity, and yet 2,000 years older, according to Dr. Smith. The World's 16 Crucified Saviors, by Kersey Graves, 1875, Chapter 5 Norvon Rosenroth, busying himself with the interpretation of the Kabbalah, argues that, in this first state of secret wisdom, the infinite God himself can be understood as Father of the New Covenant. But the light being let down by the infinite through a canal into the primal Adam, or Messiah, and joined with him, can be applied to the name Son. And the influx emitted down from him, the Son, to the lower parts, of the universe, can be applied to the character of the Holy Ghost. Sophia A. Kameth, the half-spiritual, half-material life, 
which vivifies the inert matter in the depths of chaos, is the Holy Ghost of the Gnostics, and the Spiritus, female, of the Nazarenes. She is, be it remembered, the sister of Christos, the perfect emanation, and both are children or emanations of Sophia, the purely spiritual and intellectual daughter of Bythos, the depth. For the elder Sophia is Shekinah, the face of God, God's Shekinah, which is his image. The son Zeus Belus, or Saul Mithra is an image of the father, an emanation from the supreme light, says Movers. He passed for creator. Philosophers say the first heir is Anima Mundi. But the garment, Shekinah, is higher than the first heir, since it is joined closer to the end Sof, the boundless. Thus, Sophia is Shekinah, and Sophia Akamath the Anima Mundi, the astral light of the Kabbalists, which contains the spiritual and material germs of all that is. For the Sophia Akamath, like Eve, of whom she is the prototype, is the mother of all that live. There are three trinities in the Nazarene system as well as in the Hindu philosophy of the anti and early Vedic period. While we see the few translators of the Kabbalah, the Nazarene Codex, and other abstruse works, hopelessly floundering amid the interminable pantheon of names, unable to agree as to a system in which to classify them, for the one hypothesis contradicts and overturns the other, we can but wonder at all this trouble, which could be so easily overcome. But even now, when the translation and even the perusal of the ancient Sanskrit has become so easy as a point of comparison, they would never think it possible that every philosophy, whether Semitic, Hamitic, or Turanian, as they call it, has its key in the Hindu sacred works. Still facts are there, and facts are not easily destroyed. Thus, while we find the Hindu Trimorti triply manifested as Nara or Parapuracha, Agni, Brahma, the father. Nari, Mariyama, Vya, Vishnu, the mother. Viraj, Brahma, Surya, Shiva, the son. And the Egyptian trinity as follows. Kenef, or Amon, Osiris, Ra, Horus, the father. Mount, or Mut, Isis, Isis, the mother. Cones, Horus, Maloli, the son. The Nazarene system runs. Ferho, Ishaman, Mano, Abadar, the father. Chaos, Dark Water, Spiritus, Female, Nedupto, the Mother. Fetihil, Ledhau, Lord Jordan, the Son. The first is the concealed or non-manifested trinity, a pure abstraction. The other the active or the one revealed in the results of creation, proceeding out of the former, its spiritual prototype. The third is the mutilated image of both the others, crystallized in the form of human dogmas, which vary according to the exuberance of the national materialistic fancy. H.P. Blavatsky The Supreme Lord of Splendor and of Light, Luminous and Refulgent, before which no other existed, is called Corona, the Crown, Lord Ferho, the unrevealed life which existed in the former from eternity, and Jordan, the Spirit, the Living Water of Grace. He is the one through whom alone we can be saved, and thus, he answers to the Shekinah, the spiritual garment of Ensof, or the Holy Ghost. These three constitute the trinity of Scondido. The second trinity is composed of the three lives. The first is the similitude of Lord Ferho, through whom he has proceeded forth, and the second Ferho is the King of Light, Mono, Rex Lucas. He is the heavenly life and light, and older than the architect of heaven and earth. The second life is Ishaman, Plirama, the vase of election, containing the visible thought of the Eardness Maximus, the type, or its intelligible reflection, the prototype of the living water, who is the spiritual Jordan. Third life, which is produced by the other two, is a Abadar, Ab, the parent or father. 
This is the mysterious and decrepit aged of the aged, ancient senum suae optigentum et grandavum mundi. This latter third life is the father of the demiurge Fetahil, the creator of the world, whom neophytes call Ildabath, though Fetahil is the only begotten one, the reflection of the father, Abadar, who begets him by looking into the dark water, but the Lord Mano, the Lord of loftiness, the Lord of all genii, is higher than the Father. In this Kabbalistic codex, one is purely spiritual, the other material. So, for instance, while Abadar's only begotten one is the genius Fetahil, the creator of the physical world, Lord Mano, the Lord of Selsitude, who is the son of him, who is the father of all who preach the gospel, produces also an only begotten one, the Lord Ladio, a just Lord. He is the Christos, the Anointed, who pours out the grace of the invisible Jordan, the spirit of the highest crown. In the Arcanum, in the assembly of splendor, lighted by Mano, to whom the scintillas of splendor owe their origin, the genii who live in light rose, they went to the visible Jordan and flowing water, they assembled for a council, and called forth the only begotten son of an imperishable image, and who cannot be conceived by reflection, Lebdio, the just Lord, and sprung from Lebdio, the just Lord, whom the life had produced by his word. Mano is the chief of the seven eons, who are Mano, Rex Lucas, Irzevo, Ignis Vivas, Lux, Vida, Aqua Viva, the living water of baptism, the genius of the Jordan, and Ipsa Vida, the chief of the six genii, which form with him the mystic seven. The Nazarene Mano is simply the copy of the Hindu first Manu, the emanation of Manu Swayam Huva, from whom evolve in succession the six other Manas, types of the subsequent races of men. We find them all represented by the Apostle Kabbalist John in the seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God, and in the seven angels bearing the seven vials. Again, in Fetahil we recognize the original of the Christian doctrine. H.P. Blavatsky When you call forth the invincible, limitless legions of the angels and the cosmic beings of the sacred fire to come everywhere into this nation, and to possess it and rule it and save it, free it from that which is of discord, there are many within your borders who are not I am students, but who will accept the reality and the presence of the ascended hosts and those activities of the sacred fire that come for purification. So this call sent forth by you will bless all who will be receptive at this time, will awaken all who understand and know the reality of the angelic host and the cosmic beings. This is power which we hope to awaken within the masses of enough of the people to be the control of conditions within your land that will prevent that which the sinister force wants to produce in the way of desecration. Now call this forth, especially into Washington DC, and Chicago. Washington DC can be so filled with all activities of the sacred fire that it absolutely holds bound, helpless, and inactive everything the sinister force has created or focused there. This will hold certain control of the conditions in the atmosphere over the cities in this nation that is the feeding energy to much of the destruction that is intended. There are unlimited legions of all activities of the sacred fire, and so if you will give us this assistance, if you will call it into the physical conditions of this world, then the cosmic law, when enough people call, will automatically answer with the manifestations of the sacred fire and the conditions around you, by which control is maintained and violence prevented. If people don't accept our reality or don't believe we are here, that's got nothing to do with our visible, tangible presence, 
because if there are those who accept us, call to us, and are answered by us they will benefit by their acceptance of our reality and their cooperation with our request. Mankind is coming to the hour of complete awareness of the reality of the ascended masters, the cosmic beings, and the angelic host, and this is part of the way we open the door. Applause. Thank you so much. If you, through your use of our ascended master consciousness, call the cosmic law into action to reveal our visible, tangible presence, there will be the descent of certain activities of the sacred fire that will not only answer your call, but will purify the atmosphere, at least where we appear. Beloved Archangel Michael Now there's no such thing as failure to the sacred fire, and if people are afraid to call the sacred fire into action, then God help them, because the sacred fire is the supreme power of the purifying love from the great central sun, from every ascended master, from all the angelic host, from all activities of the great great silence, and every action in the cosmic scheme of creation that produces perfection and it can never produce anything else. So don't let there be the slightest feeling within you of being afraid to call all activities of the sacred fire everywhere throughout the nation, that reveal the presence of the ascended masters and the cosmic beings. This must come in order to force mankind to let go of that which the sinister force has imposed upon individuals through hypnotic control. The sinister force only holds its control of conditions in a nation or the world by the hypnotic control of individuals. And if you call forth whatever sacred fire from the great great silence is necessary to force mankind to behold the manifestations of the ascended host, there will be certain things accomplished. I grant you, there will be a great deal of fear and great deal of doubt, all of which the sacred fire in the end will consume. So, when there are those that lie about our existence or our reality, or those that lie about the reality of the sacred fire, the hour is coming when they're going to swallow every lie they've told and they're going to be purified or removed from the earth. And this is part of the great command by which it will be accomplished. But you do not need to fear anything that the angelic host or the cosmic beings could ever do in the physical world, when you have acknowledged your beloved I Am Presence and the ascended host in the calling forth of the fulfillment of the great divine plan. The mighty Saint Germain long ago gave you, in the beginning of this work, the statement to use, I am the visible, tangible presence of those beloved ascended masters whom I desire to have come to me. Now that decree was given you in volume 3. So, if you want our sacred fire presence, use it. If you want the sacred fire to prevent the third episode of Washington's vision, then call it into action. Use it, and we will project it. And there is nothing else going to handle that situation but the sacred fire. Physical violence is not the solution of any problem, and physical violence could absolutely be controlled by the sacred fire. The hordes of evil do not argue with the lightning. I'm speaking of physical, what you call physical lightning, and I can assure you, the activities of the sacred fire at the inner level are so much more powerful and what you know is physical lightning in outer world manifestations, there is no comparison. Tonight, we hope to concentrate in and around you, if there is no doubt within you, or no criticism or condemnation of those around you. So, I hope I may take that human creation away and consume it by the sacred fire that we want to put in its place to save the nation. I trust you will give it to me tonight, and I will do the disposing, if you will accept the sacred fire which I offer in return. Applause. Thank you so much. Beloved Archangel Michael, <laughs>